0: Last week, I did talk about justification by faith. Um, I did not intend for it to be a series, but after where we stopped, I prayed about it and felt that I needed to just round up on some few things. Um, So I I just want to finish up with some of the scriptures that I had down. And um, while we were praying, the first Actually, uh, the 10 minutes prayers we were praying before the praise and worship. You know, uh, the Lord ministered something very strongly to my heart. You know, uh, this aspect of justification is one of the most important uh, areas that we need to understand as far as our salvation is concerned. And the, the Lord ministered to me um, that the legal aspect or to our salvation is very important because uh, if you understand the legal side of our salvation, then you will not have to struggle with feelings because it has nothing to do with feelings. When a judge, thank God we have lawyers in the church here. Brother Kenny here is a lawyer. When a judge has pronounced judgment, however you feel, it's immaterial. Do you, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? If the judge pronounces the but you say, well, okay, you are guilty. So you may feel so sad and so bad and so angry, but does it change anything? And if the judge pronounces that you are acquitted, you are free, does that change anything? It doesn't, your, how you feel doesn't change the judgment. You can feel very happy about it, but it doesn't add to the judgment. Do you see that? How you feel does not add or reduce from what the judgment is. You've seen people after judgment crying. Haven't you seen them in court? The boss are crying, even adults. Adults. People that were top government officials, you know, because of corruption, whatever it is, and they took them to court, found them guilty. I've seen adults crying. But did the cry change anything? No. And then those that were acquitted, you've seen them very happy. But did their happiness add to what the verdict was? It didn't. Now, if you understand the legal side of our salvation, and you know that God, because of the fact that you've accepted Jesus, has declared you justified, it is regardless of how you feel. It is simply so. Whether you feel like it or not, God says you are justified. You may not feel like it, but it is so. Praise God. Now, we want to go through a few things again. I will get to that in a minute. This another side which I will bring out, maybe not today, but I will see how the Lord leads us. And I, I simply want to repeat some of the definitions that we so, last Sunday, uh, from the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for justify, you know, it means adak and it means to make righteous. You know, it's very important to understand those verbs, to make. It is not about becoming. You don't just become righteous, you know. You can try everything to become righteous. It doesn't work. Only God can make you righteous, declare you justified. And uh, it, you know, in the Greek, it's dikaios, uh, and it means to render or show or regard as just, innocent, free, or righteous. And then, of course, the dictionary meaning is to show or prove to be right, and it also means to declare or make righteous in the sight of God. We did read some scriptures uh, last Sunday, but I want us to pick up from Romans chapter 4. And then in verse 3, uh, I've left out some verses. Uh, we've seen some last week Sunday. Romans chapter 4. For the scriptures tell us, in the New Living Translation I'm reading, for the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift. We did see this last Sunday. When people work today, it's year of the month. Hopefully, you have received your salary. Your salary... And- Another name for your salary is what? Wages. Not gift. If you have received your salary from your employer, it is not a gift. Because why? You worked for it. So salvation is not a wage for your work. It is a gift from God. (laughs) Verse 5. He said, but people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. And then verse 11 says, circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith. And that Mm -hmm. God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous. Even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. This one is talking about physical circumcision. You know? so, and then it says they are counted as righteous because of their faith. But then verse 12 says, and Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. So you, you, you don't need necessarily need to be circumcised in order to be saved. All you have to do is believe. So whether you are circumcised or you are uncircumcised, the only solution to our spiritual death is salvation through Christ Jesus. It's faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, this, uh, we stopped somewhere around here last week, but I want us to go back to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. So the Bible says, but now, everybody say, but now. So there are other things, but we don't have time to go back to um, some of the things that Paul is trying to contrast here. But he says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. Thank God. It's a way. What did Jesus Christ say? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So the Bible says God has shown us a way or a means. By which we can be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. We said last week that people struggled with the law. Nobody could actually keep them perfectly, but Jesus came and kept them perfectly. And so, because of what he did, we are justified in God's sight. Now, verse 22, we are made, there's that word again. It says we are made. We don't become we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. My God, my God, my God. Oh Lord. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. I you know, my 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 I said, I made a statement last week. You know, the Bible says. You know, that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so, one of the, I mean, the greatest thing really that we can ever experience is when we stand before God and God says we are justified. When the rest of the world is dreading the presence of God, we stand before God. Other religions think they have to do this and do that and do this and do that. And you know know something, you know, um, I think it was Chris or somebody was preaching the the, the other day, talking about reading through the Bible, right? And I was saying, you know, you need to be patient when you get to Leviticus and Numbers, especially especially something like Numbers chapter 7. If you read Numbers chapter 7, you'll be saying, for goodness sake, what is this? Because everything is, a, this is like a repetition. Everything is, a, you know, and you need to be patient. And my God, if you read that, the book of that, you know, Leviticus and Numbers, and you see the instructions God gave to Moses and the priests and the high priest what they were to do, you know, meticulously without leaving anything out. And they had to do that. And on top of it, if the high priest messed up, he fell down dead. Can you imagine if we had to be doing that today? So, Pastor Oliver bring your own goat and Pastor Lydia bring your own goat. (laughs) Pastor John will bring his own ram or whatever it is and so on. Everybody, go bring this. We kill that and kill that and kill this. You have to do that and do this. Now, God put all those things down, and you read them, and you say, my God. So we have to do this in order to, uh, you know, to, to, to find audience with God. Maybe that is why today we are taking things for granted. I'm telling you. We take things for granted because of grace. No, we we need to appreciate God. We need to appreciate Jesus. I I mean, look, I want to challenge you. Go and, okay, even if you won't read through the whole Bible, I want to challenge you, go and read the book of Leviticus and Numbers. Go and read just those two books. And then come back and come and tell us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Come on, thank God for Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad that you don't have to go through all those things? You know, I was one day. I mean, you know, you have to go and look for a goat. Go and look for a ram. Go and look for it. And, the, you know, the ram had to be within a certain, within a year or something. You know, but today, simple, believing in Jesus, that what Jesus Christ did, he did on our behalf. I believe that. My God, my God, my God. I feel like jumping. <laughs> Hallelujah. I am glad that I don't have to be killing cows and goats and everything. I am glad. <laughs> my God, my God, my God. He says, this is true for forever. Free one who believes. No matter who we are. You know, unfortunately, there are millions of people that have gone to hell unnecessarily. And more millions are going to go to hell unnecessarily. Not because God did not make provision for their salvation. But because they refused to accept. Maybe it is too simple. The message of salvation is too simple, too easy to believe. If you go to this Western world, the world, Western world, you know they believe so much in charity. Thank God for charity. But it's like some of them, they won't go to church, but they will do charity work. I was asking myself the question the other time. Why is it that people will not go to church during their lifetime to serve God Then, when they die, they want their funeral to be done by a church? We don't need a dead body. God doesn't need a dead body. We, we are to offer ourselves to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. The Bible says only the living can praise him. When you lie in that box, you bringing you to church is not going to do any good. People don't want to hear that, but that is the truth. The state in which you were before you drew your last breath, that is how you appear before God. Whatever the church is doing behind here is immaterial. We can give testimonies here about how wonderful you were. How much you helped charities, you built these schools, you built these communities, you did that and did that. We can talk about it here. We can even talk about how you gave us money to buy a church building. But did you buy your own spiritual building? With faith. Because the currency is faith. <laughs> I, I think maybe because sometimes doing some of this... Uh, Physical acts of good make us feel good. You know, some people pride themselves in that, actually. You see that person? I'm the one that helped him. You see that woman? I'm the one that helped her. You see that person? I'm the one that did that for her. So we take pride in that. But God has made provision. Verse 23 says, for everyone has sinned. I like the old King James. The old King James says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory or God's standard. Everyone has sinned. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Jesus Christ was sinless. And yet he died like a sinner. So his death was vicarious. His death was on our behalf. The sufferings were on our behalf. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that should bring us peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. When Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, he fulfilled the law on our behalf. Hallelujah. When Jesus defeated sin, he defeated Satan. He, he, Jesus Christ didn't need to defeat Satan for himself. He didn't need to. Jesus has never, had never been under Satan. But Jesus defeated Satan. The Bible says he spoiled all principality and power. He did it on our behalf. That's why we have authority over them in the name of Jesus. To bind them restrain their activities in our lives, in our families, in our finances, in our marriage. Because he likes to put his dirty fingers into everything we are doing. You want to do this? He wants to bring his dirty fingers to put inside. Remember? Last year, God gave me so much emphasis on this scripture that the blessings of the Lord make it which he addeth no sorrow. I said, whenever God blesses you and you are glad and rejoicing about it, whenever things begin to head south and sour, then you know the devil is beginning to bring his dirty hands into it. He's beginning to want to add sorrow to that which is supposed to be a blessing from the Lord. The Lord does not add sorrow. I was giving illustration saying, you get married, you're so happy, you go on honeymoon. You come back, you love your husband like anything, you love your wife like anything. Then just a few months, a few months down the line, maybe a year or two, it's like, is it the same woman? The devil is beginning to visit. Yeah. You know? Why? Because the devil has begun to want to add sorrow to the blessing. You get a very good job, fantastic job. You give a testimony here. And you are, thank God for this wonderful job. I love this job. Then three, four months, nine months, one year down, the devil is beginning to raise issues with your managers, with your colleagues, with people everywhere. What's happening? Satan is beginning to add sorrow. You give back to your children and you are rejoicing. Thank God I'm now a father. Thank God I'm now a mother. Thank God. And then your children begin to grow up, and the devil wants to come and visit your children, to mess them up, so that you can no longer rejoice over your children. So you spend time fasting and fasting and worrying until you have heart attack. God forbid. Yeah, there are some parents, they can hardly sleep because they don't know what their their youth, especially they're up to. Sometimes you think your child is the best child until you hear some things about it You say, ah, mm, mm, that's not my child. Then later on, the facts come out and it is your child. The blessings of the Lord make it rich. It adds no sorrow. It is Satan that tries to add sorrow to it. Anything that was once good to you. But now it's beginning to turn sour. Just know that the enemy is beginning to bring in sorrow, to add to it. But Jesus defeated him, so we have authority to resist him. He said, devil, you are not going to do this in my marriage. You are not going to do this with my children. You are not going to do this with my finances. Our sister was praying about restoration today of that which the enemy has eaten. It's all because we have authority. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God is a restorer. Hallelujah. 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 Oh my God, verse 25. What are we talking about here, brethren? <laughs> <laughs> are you seeing what I'm seeing? <laughs> I, I, I sometimes I wonder we where, where I mean the people in the world, are they? Oh, my, my my anyway, it says verse 25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. So you and I don't need any further sacrifice for sin. As far as sin is concerned. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. Simple. You believe that, you accept that. Verse 26 says, he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. He makes sinners right. Not, he doesn't make righteous people right. All right? <laughs> he makes sinners right who believe in Jesus. Brother Chris is talking about evangelism. I tell you, I must confess. I've been guilty of this myself. Have you ever seen some people you say, uh, there's no need to talk to this one? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, my God, have mercy. God forgive us. God have mercy. Yeah, I, I am guilty of that. But again, you see this person, is uh, well, you know, this, this one. Um, no need to even give them a track. But strange enough. Sometimes, before you notice it, somebody just speaks with them a little bit and they commit their lives to Jesus. And you say, oh my God, what have I done? This is somebody I never thought would listen to the gospel. Is it because we are walking by sight? There is enough power in the blood of Jesus to cleanse every sinner. I have been saying this from, from their sin. You know, it is we that think that somebody's case is hopeless. God doesn't think that way. You Go to the prisons today, you will see some of the most hardened criminals outside, that were outside. Today, they have given their lives to Christ in the prison. (laughs) You know, that's why, you see... That's one of the things that makes God, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, but you have to accept what Jesus has done. Last Sunday, I was given an illustration here. But I want to modify it a little bit. So let's say there's a, a thousand people owing 50,000 pounds each that they couldn't pay. So their creditors took them all to court, found them all guilty, and the whole 1,000 of them are put in jail. Say, you either look for the money to pay, or else you stay in jail indefinitely. And so one rich man comes. So there's a 1,000 people sitting in jail, no money to pay, no money to even take care of their families outside, not to talk of paying 50,000 pounds, or maybe even, you know, bigger amounts. Then one rich multimillionaire comes and said, I want the bill for all these 1,000 people. How much? Calculate 50,000 times 1,000. How much is that? How many? 5 million or 50 million, whatever it is. I want. So, and the rich man pays the money. Say, all these 1,000 people, oh, I'm paying all their debts. And he pays, all right? He so go and tell them all those 50, 100, I mean, 1, 000, they tell them that their, their debts have been paid. They are free. So the information gets to the prison guard or prison warden, whatever it is, and he goes jail by jail. All right? You know, it's just like evangelism, isn't it? You miss one person, one jail, somebody single in their own cell, one person. say, so you know what? Somebody has paid your that You are free. He opens the door. You are free. And then this person says, ah, no, I, I can't take, I don't believe so. <laughs> he said, somebody has paid. They said, ah, no, 50,000? Somebody who doesn't even know. No, 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 no. I think I better pay for it here, whatever, you know. <laughs> All right? So that is one-to-one evangelism. And then he goes to this people. There's a bunch of prisoners, maybe five of them at a time. So you know what? Somebody has paid all their debts. It's like speaking or preaching to a group of people. Then out of five, six, seven people, they hear, "Oh, somebody's paid." So Yemi gets up. Ah, if that's the case, may I'm going. <laughs> but Pastor Lawrence says, "Ah, can that be true?" <laughs> Thank God that was the Pastor Lawrence response. You know, so Yemi gets up, and she walks out. And the person, says, ah, can you imagine? Look at, here we go. See, it's been paid. But the thing is that what? You have to accept it. If you don't accept it, you remain there, mm. suffering unnecessarily. And you know something? The strange thing is this hmm. the news is given here, the news is given here. One person accepts it and goes away. Other people, it takes three, four years for them to remember, oh, yes. Somebody actually said that it was, it was paid, though. I think maybe it's true, you know. I, I think, you know, I, think I, I, I tend to believe her because since Sister Yemi went, she hasn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So since Yemi went, she hasn't come back, so it must be true. You know? So there are people that found Christ before you. They have been enjoying this Christian life. So, you, you know, thank God those of us here we follow suit, right? So, other people need to find out that there are people that have found freedom and gone, and they are enjoying freedom. For some people, it took years. How many times were, uh, did people preach to you before you gave a life to Christ? Some of you men, thank God for your wonderful wives. They had to work on you quite a bit. years. <laughs> 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 yes. so, so that is as salvation is like that, you know, and the truth is that you see, um let me go back a bit. I did a, a very long series to teach about how sin came into the world. And you know, I talked about uh, this uh, what we call a seminal headship. You know, it means we are uh, one person's action is, is is conclusively, you know, encompassing other people. If you notice, uh, in First Samuel chapter seventeen, you know, when when David was facing Goliath, Goliath challenged David. He said, to, you know, to Israel? He challenged him first of all before David came. He said, me, get me a champion. We're going to fight. So if I defeat that one person, representative of yours, if I defeat him." Then all of you become our servants. But if that person you have chosen to represent you, if he defeats me, we all become your <laughs> servants. Do you see that? Seminar headship. So everything. So Adam represented all of mankind. All of mankind was concluded in Adam. That's why when Adam sinned, the whole of humanity sinned. We didn't have to have sinned individually. Do you see that? Every human being was concluded as having sinned when Adam sinned. Because Adam represented all of mankind. So, when Jesus came... And that is why we don't have to pay for our sins individually either. Because when Jesus came, he became a type of David. When David won that battle, what happened? The rest of Israel enjoyed the victory. But it was one person that fought the battle. And Goliath was defeated. So the Philistines all were supposed to be under Israel. Jesus came. Defeated Satan. And so we have the victory. Hallelujah. Because we were in Christ. Oh my God. When Christ was dealing with the devil, he was dealing with the devil on our behalf. You see, there's something about identification. When Jesus Christ was fighting and dealing with the devil, we were in him. When he died, we identify with his death. Because his death was on our behalf. When he rose again, we identify with his resurrection. And even with his ascension, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I keep on saying that, you see, it is not when you die before they will know you in heaven. If you are a child of God, you have given your life to Jesus, heaven knows you now. That's one of the reasons why Jesus Christ said, whatever you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Because why? You are not in heaven. If you are not known in heaven, you can bind here on earth. Nobody's going to respond from heaven. Because they don't know you there. You are on your own. (laughs) Thank God we have heaven's backing. Praise the name of Jesus. We don't have to pay for our sins. Jesus has paid the price. So you look at it legally, it's not, that's why sometimes people get, give their lives to Jesus and they struggle with feelings. You know, ah, well, I gave my life to Christ, but I don't feel like I'm saved. But you see, when you look at it from the legal side, that's what the Lord was minister to me. The legal aspect, the legal facts and truth about your situation has nothing to do with feelings. If the judge has pronounced the judgment, how you feel is immaterial. It is so. Whether you feel sad or you feel happy, it is so. The judgment has been passed. But thank God this judgment is in your favor. It says, you are declared righteous. You are free. So you believe means to accept as true. You accept it. Oh, it's true. I believe it. I believe it. And you act on it. That's why you get up from that prison and walk out. Because the prison door, I think some years ago, I don't know whether it's Kenneth Hagen Jr. So or the son, or one of somebody wrote a small booklet like this. He so said the prison door is already open. What are you still doing inside? Yeah. The prison door is already open. What are you still doing inside? Can I tell you something? Millions of people today are sitting in spiritual prison, but the door is open. Jesus Christ said he's the door. Amen. By him, if any man enters, he will find what? Salvation. Jesus is the, the door is, that those sinners going out on the streets, the door of salvation is open. You know, oh my God, my God, my God. On the last day when all of humanity stands before God, people will be looking back and saying, So the message of salvation was that easy, and I despised it. People are going to hell unnecessarily. People are suffering under the bondage of sin and the devil unnecessarily. But Jesus has paid the price. And that is why it is called gospel. It is called good news. What is the good news? You were one time guilty, but now your debt has been paid. You are now free. The door is open. That is good news. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Now, let's read on. Because of time, um, oh, okay. Let's, actually, let's read verse 27. Romans 3, 27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made, there's that word again, made. We are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Verse 30, there is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith. And they did notice, oh my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. You know, I have said this before over the years. Unfortunately, more people are going to go to hell under the platform of religion than anything else. You know, when you look at Islam, there are millions of followers. You look at Hinduism, look at all these other things. But not to talk of some distorted so-called churches that are actually cults, basically. You know, some of these. Because I, I was talking, I mean, if I was documentary about them, then I might as well talk about them like Mormons. Because if they do a documentary, it's public. So I can talk about it then. People who have come out of it, and they are are talking about it. You know the strange thing? These are people who came out of the Mormon something, and especially this church of Scientology. They came out of it, not because they got born again, but they did everything possible, necessary, to get out of it, and they are recanting I mean, sorry, uh, uh, recounting their experiences, how they were brainwashed. I still have it recorded on my system in the house, if you doubt me. You see, some, some so they, they were punished, literally punished, Made to, to lick the toilets with their tongues as punishment. If you doubt me, I will show you the, the recording of the documentary. I, have, I still have it on my system. People do that all in the name of religion. They They are told to renounce their family members. And any family member that does not agree with what they are doing, they should cut away from them. And yet, thousands of people, and it's one of the richest churches, they got money. These celebrities are there, these actors are there this moments and they have properties around the billions and you see how the devil works we are looking for money to get a property did you notice that most of these celebrities they don't give money to pentecostal churches <laughs> That's why we believe God. We have to believe God for our own property. I, 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 I am for us to believe God for our own property. You know, but sometimes people like that, even when they come to a Bible-living church, you tell them to do something small, they take offense. But they go to some of these churches, some of the things they are told to do, and they do, you look at educated people, rich people. And you see them doing things that really wonder. Somebody even common sense. What is this? So there are so many religions that Satan has come up with. And people are following all those religions and it is full of works. Did you notice that? All of those religions is works. It's only Jesus Christ that his followers don't have to earn their salvation through works. Only Christianity. All of those leaders, none of them died on the behalf of their followers. They all died their own personal debt. But Jesus died on our behalf. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, very quickly, in 10 minutes or so. Therefore, having been justified by faith, the old King James says, therefore, uh, being justified by faith. But it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Now, you see, aren't you glad that God is not angry with you? Because through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. One of the reasons why some of the world religions are engaging in so many physical activities and sacrifices, and you look at those monks that go and stay in the mountains and wear only wrap something around them. They'll be fasting every time, and they scrape all their hair, and sit there doing all those kind of things, trying to earn salvation. But Those of us that are Christians, as long as you have Jesus, you have peace with God. I say you have peace with God. God is not angry with you. And it's glad. It's it's something that we should be glad about, that God is not angry with us. Because you read through the scriptures and you know people that God has been angry with. (laughs) It's not a sweet thing. He's a God of love, but he's a God of judgment. But thank God we don't have to be afraid of his judgment because we are his children. So we are at peace with God. What does that mean? Verse 2 says, through whom we also have access. You know, have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So through Jesus, we have access to God. We don't have to do some other things in order to get God's uh, audience. We have access to God through Jesus. And uh, this part also I have to add. I say I have to add this part. Amen. Because it's in the Bible. It says, and not only that. (laughs) Okay. Not only that. But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Why is that? Because in this world, we need perseverance. We have to persevere. We have to be patient. Because while we enjoy God's peace and joy here on earth, we know that we are God's children here on earth. We can enjoy uh, some of God's blessings here on earth. But this is not the ultimate. This is not all there is to salvation. Amen? For now, if you are sick, it can be prayed for, and God can heal you. Amen? You may need financial, uh, you may be in financial problems and through prayers, God can help you and bless you. By then, you find out that after some time, even though God healed before, another sickness can come. You can have financial problems, and God helps you through somebody, but then after some time, another financial problem comes. So you find out that they, you know, they, it's like they come around, but this is what it is like here on earth. Yes, but when we get to heaven, no more need for sick and healed, sick and healed. No more need for need met and need not met, need not met. No more need for that. No more fasting. No hunger. And can I tell you this? Because you see, you know the thing is that you know, with our finite minds, sometimes with our finite minds, we, we, when we begin to think of heaven like this, uh, uh, no pain, no sickness, no hunger, uh, uh, it's going to be boring now. <laughs> but that is thinking like a, a human being. Don't worry, God is going to make sure that there's no boredom there. I tell you something, you are not going to be bored. No, 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 no. The angels have been doing this for millions of years. They've been worshiping God. We sang a song earlier on, the angels are bound and worshiping God. Day and night, and I tell you, they are not tired and they are not bored. So don't worry; there will be no boredom in heaven. You will be just fine. I know you love to eat, but you will be just fine. Amen. <laughs> you know, even if you are going to eat, but it won't be this kind of akpu uh, uh, and and garri that ever that you eat here on earth and rice, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So you don't have to worry about that, (laughs) Amen. You know sometimes people love certain things so much that they want those things to be in heaven. I don't know. I don't know. Even if there's food in heaven, it wouldn't be their type of food. You know. So, but I tell you something: we will be just fine. I say you will be just fine. It's full of joy. (laughs) But here on earth, because of the way the world is, that's why the Bible says that we have peace with God. Because, you know, what Paul is trying to tell us here is that, you know, the most important thing is that we have peace with God in spite of these things we pass through here on earth. That you know that there is always hope. Amen. It's there in verses 1 and 2. Whatever we face, you know that there is always hope. Because one day, I think, uh, I don't know what it's brother Chris was saying here the other day, you know. The worst thing that can happen is physical death, and that's it, and you go to heaven. I, I, I've been saying this myself for some years. There's nothing the devil can do beyond physical death. But even the physical death, unless God permits it, he cannot do If the devil had the, the, the full permission to kill anybody at will, we will all be dead by now. I can imagine he would have killed Pastor Lydia since because he doesn't like her prayers. The prayers disturb him. And worship, It Oh, when we're worshiping God, the devil hates it. Because he knows that that is what he would have wanted for himself. And it's all going to God. He misses that. And we're going to make him miss that more. Yeah. Hallelujah. You can read the rest on your own, but because of time. Uh, let's read, scroll down. Um, look at verse 9. Go down to verse 9. Uh, Where is verse 9? Yeah, verse 9 here, very quickly. It says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So any um, judgment that is coming, including the great tribulation. You know, ritual scriptures, you find out that according to the scriptures, you know, some people believe that Christians will go through the, the great tribulation. Then after that, the rapture. By ritual scriptures, uh, the rapture is supposed to take place before the Antichrist is revealed. And that is why... You know, all this when Corona came up and people were saying uh, uh, this vaccine that is 666. No, this vaccine is not 666 yet. It is not. You know, it is not. You know, this is not, the 66 is not yet here. When it is here, everybody will know. The Antichrist will be in charge. So as it is now, there's no Antichrist who is no, and this Antichrist is not, is, is not Satan himself. It's a man empowered by the devil. He is the one that will impose the 66 thing. So there may be some conspiracies here and there, but all these things, is, is just an indication that the technology is there. Can you imagine 2,000 years ago when John on the Isle of Patmos gave this prophecy about the 666? I mean, there was no explanation for computers and all these, uh, uh, what do you call these things? No, It couldn't. You read some scriptures, and you know that actually what the person saw plans, but they didn't have explanation for those things in those days. Talking about Israel returning on the bird's wings. You know, so there are some of these things that were seen there, but I want us to be sure, you see, uh, when the rapture takes place, even by the time the Antichrist is revealed, the world will know. We will know. There will be a man, a particular person in part by other people who will be in charge, ruling the world and giving these orders. So, but but the Bible says, and the Bible teaches. If you read the Book of Thessalonians, this we're not talking about that now, but it's clear that you know that God is going to take His people out before the wrath is revealed, before the great tribulation. Of course, all these things we are suffering. there's nothing to compare with the tribulation. When you read the tribulation, the Bible says that there's nothing that has ever been like it or will ever be like it. You know, we're talking about this coronavirus. I don't know how many people at this time have died. But during the flu, was it 1918 flu, 1918 to 20, 1920, there was this flu that came up, you know, uh, that killed over, what, 50 million people died, 50 million, between 1918 and 1920. So this coronavirus has killed maybe over a million people, whatever it is. Nothing to compare to that. So you know we have the world has seen something worse than coronavirus. But Jesus Christ said that the great tribulation is going to be like nothing that has ever taken place, nor will ever take place after. Nothing like it. So it's not this one like like this. We are able to go around like this, and no, this is not great tribulation. You know, so but we have peace through Jesus Christ. So the Bible says God will deliver us from the wrath to come, the judgment that is coming upon the sinners of the world. We are not going to be included in that. How and then where is our salvation if we're going to go through that? Where is our salvation? What did Jesus die for then? You know. If we're going to suffer all that before we are now rescued, you know, you know, just narrowly we escape. Where is the salvation? Where is the suffering that Jesus Christ went through for? So this God, no, is that going to come upon unbelievers, those who do not know God? Will there be some people who will go to, come to God during the tribulation? Yes. But those that already believe, God is going to catch them on The Bible says the trumpet will sound. And those that are alive, the dead in Christ will rise first. And those of us alive will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. Hallelujah. So, whatever we face we face, whatever challenges we're going through, Paul is telling us that there is hope. And God is going to deliver us. He's delivering us from certain problems now. But the main wrath of God, you know, the, all these challenges we're facing now, that is not the wrath of God. Those are challenges from the devil. But the wrath of God is God's judgment upon the world. That's what the wrath of God is. He will deliver us from the wrath. This wrath coming. There is God's judgment coming upon the world. And those that believe in Jesus are not going to face that. Because why? We have already been justified. Praise the name of Jesus, guys. So we thank God for that. Because of time, Let's finish with Romans 8, verse 1. Scroll down to Romans Says, There is therefore now no condemnation, oh my God, to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the Spirit, but follow your natural instincts. He said, but according to the Spirit, there is no condemnation. Look at John 5, 24. Verily, verily, Jesus Christ said, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting, present tense, has everlasting life now. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Hallelujah. The New Living Translation says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And finally, let's finish Titus 3, verse 7. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We are joined heirs with Christ Jesus Christ. He said, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly. That's what I'm doing. I'm affirming. You know, amen. (laughs) He said that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So we do good works. We have believed, so we do good works. We don't do good works so that we get saved. We get saved, and then we do good works. May God help us, and may God continue to preserve us in Jesus' name.